It was my first visit to New Orleans, but I felt I knew it. Unforgettable images of black bands swaying through the street playing jazz music as they followed a funeral were largely responsible. The dazzling and colorful abandon of the Mardi Gras, with its spectacular costumes, its non-stop music, and its floats that had escaped from the world of fairy tale, had to be held accountable too. Delicately lacy wrought iron balconies came into my slightly hazy memory too, though these tended to have elegant ladies with shawls gazing down with casual disdain as they sipped mint juleps. This probably came from an earlier period, although the balconies remained. I had lunched in a veritable museum of classic New Orleans cuisine, Arnaud's. The restaurant spreads over an entire city block, twelve buildings all connected by hallways and stairs. It had a true sense of history. One wall in the main dining area was completely covered with photographs from 1918 onward. The only underground wine cellar in New Orleans is here, too. From the street, the leaded windows portray an earlier era, and inside are the potted palms in five-foot-high pots on pedestals, the dark wood panels, the twenty large ceiling fans, and the fifteen crystal chandeliers. We had walked through this main dining room on our way to a small alcove, that had undoubtedly seen its share of romantic trysts in its day. I reminded myself sternly that I was here on business, and firmly refused the offer of another Sazerac. But my host insisted, and I was gracious enough to yield. He leaned forward, doubtless to press home his advantage, while my mood was still mellow, but not yet inebriated. "'You'll take the commission, of course. Franklin said you would. He also assured me that you were the best man for the job.' He had outlined the job between the main course and the dessert. It was superb timing. I was in a state of utter culinary satisfaction after a dozen plump oysters on the half-shell, followed by a delicious shrimp and crab étouffée. I was mildly irked by his statement that Franklin had said I would take the commission. Franklin does not make decisions for me. Well, he likes to do so, but I don't always fall into line with his wishes—his dictates, really. The sop he had tossed out afterwards, saying that I was the best man for the job, was possibly true, although it was just as likely that Henry O'Brien in Dublin and Jacques Lepoche in Montreal had been asked and turned it down. You will enjoy the event anyway. You must have been to a lot of these, but as you will learn while you are here in our wonderful city, New Orleans knows how to put a different slant on many aspects of life. Eric Van Lynn was a robust, I avoid the word fat, even for people I don't like. Florid, I prefer to red-faced. Persuasive, it sounds better than domineering, individual. He was a well-known lawyer in New Orleans, I learned, and though I share the human race's feelings about the profession, I accepted when he phoned me in Los Angeles where I was attending a food fair. A client of mine wanted the fair assessed so that he could decide how heavily to invest in such an endeavor next year. The purpose of Van Lynn's phone call was to invite me to stop over in New Orleans on my way back to London. Why me? Well, I operate under the name of the Gourmet Detective. I seek out lost recipes and rare spices, find substitutes for disappearing or suddenly expensive food ingredients. I advise on topics like the food to serve in a film set in the 17th century or at a suitable theme banquet for a 50th anniversary of a department store. The occasional job turns up, such as attending the Los Angeles Food Fair, not noticeably lucrative, but easy to do, and a good chance for me to pick up one or two prospective clients. The phone call I had received in Los Angeles came in a richly rounded voice. 
Van Lynn said that I had been recommended to him by a mutual acquaintance in London, Franklin Bardo, a lawyer with whom I had done a mercifully small amount of business. Would I, Van Lynn asked, like to stop in New Orleans for a couple of days and fulfill a simple mission? It would only take a few hours, and all expenses paid, of course. The Big Easy happened to be one of the few major culinary cities in the civilized world I had not visited, and the suggestion had a certain lure. While talking on the phone, my elbow rested on a copy of the Los Angeles Times, showing floods in London after days of torrential rain, and predicting that worse was yet to come. I made a decision. The decision was, naturally, not an immediate agreement. It was a decision only to stop in New Orleans and have the job explained. Van Lynn said he preferred to do that in person rather than on the phone, so that even if I declined to take the job, I would have a free stopover in New Orleans.